what we have learned so far from last week. We were talking about um, how the church supposed to be, how God want the church to be. So we want to go on the setup that God want for the church because we have to understand that every joint supplies and God has a way that he want to rule and reign even in the church. So we want to make sure that we're doing it his way and not our way. Last week I was talking about the apostles and how before they were apostles, they were disciples and they were before Jesus. They were followers of Christ. They were learners of Christ and they spent that time with him for three or three and a half years. And upon spending that time, Jesus was choosing um, the ones that he wanted to be the apostles of the Lamb, meaning the 12 apostles. And those 12 apostles were the ones that would lay the foundation um, that was given to them by Jesus Christ. So he had to choose 12 out of the many disciples that he had. So he had more than 12 disciples. He had a lot of followers. So in the body of Christ, we just don't put in and everybody in position. We want to do it the way God would have it to be done. And we have to understand that these positions does not come from man. They come from God. So just because someone come in the church and they say they know the word and they have been studying the word, they've been to school and they've done all this and all that, that doesn't matter. What matters is where God want to put them in the body of Christ. Because some people think that just because someone can teach the word so well that they could be a teacher, they could be a pastor, but that might not be where God want them to be just because they know the word. Because God know the heart of men and women and God know the plan and he know the purpose for each and everybody's life that that's in here so we want to learn to wait on the Lord we want to learn to wait on our ministry we don't want to just grab hold to something because somebody is telling us this is what we supposed to be doing first of all if you spend time with God God will let you know what position he will let you know where you need to be in the body of Christ and actually God will confirm that through someone letting you know, yes, God, I did hear you. That's just what God does. He don't just tell you things and just leave you out there. God put things in the way that he would have them to be put. So we want to be so careful because some people will say things falsely that God has not said, and we'll go out and try to do something that they're saying, and it does not work. You see a lot of churches set up... um, storefront churches you see a lot of people trying to grab people and put them in this place and put them in that place and that's not where God would have for them to be and that's why they end up shutting down and say well you know God told me to um, move on to something else whatever God has planted he'll be the one whatever he planted you cannot uproot right so we want to make sure that we're planted where God will have us to be planted and not just going in a place because people are calling you a prophet of the house in that place. And that's the only reason why you're there. So if they tell you, you know what, you're going to have to sit down for a season, you're going to leave that place because <laughs> they're telling you that you have to sit down. So wherever God puts you, no matter what the circumstances are, you're able to stay in that place because it's through his grace that you're there. And Paul recognized the grace of God that was upon his life. And that's what we need to do as the body of Christ. We need to recognize what God has placed upon us. So we talked about um, when Jesus um, chose the 12 apostles. And after he chose the 12 apostles, what he did was it was 40 days, 40 more days Jesus spent with those apostles. And he began to teach them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You would think that after three years or three and a half years, being that they were followers of Jesus Christ, they should have all the kingdom they need, right? But evidently there was something else that he felt like they needed to know for those 40 days that he was with them before he went to be with the Father. So after um, he was with them and they, he went to be with the Father, the next thing that happened was, Those disciples, those apostles, just, they could not go into ministry any kind of way. We have people going into ministry to go into ministry. Now, this is where I'm going to start at um, tonight. Now, we talked about in Matthew 28 
18 through 20, how he commissioned them. That was the great commission. And he told them this in Matthew 28, beginning at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all power, authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make followers, disciples of all people in the world, the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught, commanded you, and I will be with you always, even unto the end of this age, the world time. So what Jesus was saying, he said, all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So he said, I'm giving you that authority. I'm giving you that right to um, rule and reign here on the earth. I'm going to pass it down to you because I'm going to be with the Father. But one thing that Jesus had to let them know, you need more than authority here on earth. And that's where we miss it. You can be born again and you can have authority and you can have right, but you need some power. You need some dunamis to come upon you to carry out the work of God, to carry out the service of God. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight because some people say, I have all the Holy Spirit that I need. So I'm going to go over that briefly. We have went over that before. But God want to bring it back into the house because we want to make sure that as a church that we're set up the way we need to be set up. We want to do it his way and not our way. Because Jesus, um, he told the disciples before in, in Matthew 10, he sent them out, but he sent them out with the um, power. He sent them out with the authority. They were going out with the authority that he had given them. But guess what? When Jesus left to be with the Father, they had to have that power that Jesus allowed them to use while he was with them. So this is what he was commissioning them to do. So after he gave them that commission, and that commission there was authority, he said, you know, you have the right to baptize. So that means that they would emerge people up under the water, meaning that as you become a believer, they're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said, now I want you to teach them. See, when we go through all of these steps, some churches are not teaching the full gospel. They're not teaching everything that he left to be taught. And this is why some people are wild and all over the place trying to do their own thing and trying to figure things out. This is why he put you up under fivefold. He put you up under the ones that he have called, he have chosen, he have ordained, he have appointed to get you where you need to be so you can go out and make disciples, so you can go out with that great commission. But what's happening is sometimes they make it a one-man show. If you don't see the pastor, if you don't do this, or if you don't do that the way the pastor wants you to, then, then you can't do anything. All of us, all of us, he's given us that authority. He's given us that power to rule and reign. He's given us that dunamis so we can go out and they will see the power of God that comes upon us. So when we look um, at the apostles, they were laying the same foundation that Jesus laid. So what he was telling them, everything that I have taught you, he said, that's what I want you to go out and teach the nations. They could not add to it. They could not take away from it. For some reason, there must be another Bible out here that's telling people that they don't have to follow the foundation of God because people got their own rituals in the body of Christ, their own way of doing things, telling you this is what you got to do to get God to do something. If it's the Lord's will, he'll heal. If it's the Lord's will, he'll prosper. If it's the Lord's will, it is his will because that's what the Bible says. So you got so many people confused because they don't have revelation from the word. They're missing the power. They get, have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and yes, the Holy Spirit is there, but I'm going to talk about the two experiences that you have, and we're going to have to understand we need both. We can't just, you, you can have one, but you're not going to be operating the way God wants you to operate here on earth. So evidently, he knows that we need it. So we know that the apostles was laying the foundation. So we're going to start there. I'm sorry, I'm going to start with Jesus first. Remember, Jesus is not going to tell them something that he did not have to do, right? He's never going to tell us to do something that he did not do while he was here on this earth. Remember, Jesus walked as a mere man. 
He was man. He was in the flesh. Jesus had to be empowered. Everything that we have, Jesus already had it before he went to be with the Father. He came off of the throne. Come on, he was up there with the Father. He came down. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. So when we look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through verse 16, we're familiar with that. This is when John was baptizing Jesus. It says, I'm reading out the expanded Bible. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River and wanted John to baptize him, to be baptized by John. But John tried to stop, deter, um, dissuade, prevent him saying, why do you come to me to be baptized? I need to be baptized by you. Jesus answered, let it be this way for now. We should do all things that are God's will, and this way we will do what God requires. For thus, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. Now understand this. Jesus said himself, John said, now, you should be baptizing me. This is what's happening in the church. When the Father sets up a way in the body of Christ for things to be done, we can have a busybody within the church Telling the one that God sent to do or lay the foundation to say, no, that's not right. That's not the way we should go about this. We should go about it this way. But Jesus told John, he said, no, 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 no. We're going to do it the way God wanted it to be done. John said, wait a minute, you coming. I know who you are. You're supposed to baptize me. Jesus said, uh-uh, I'm going to do it the way the Father want me to do it. Y'all don't get it? John the Baptist, he came before Jesus. He was the forerunner. But when Jesus showed up, John recognized, okay, that's the Savior. That's the Messiah. You want me to baptize you, little old me? Jesus said, this is the way the Father wanted to be done. Why was he saying this? Because he said, here on earth, it's going to be done like the Father wanted done in heaven, the way he set it up. It's going to be fulfilled. Righteousness is going to be fulfilled the way he did it, the way he wanted it to be done. So it says that John baptized him. That means that Jesus went up under that water, and as soon as Jesus was baptized, first he had to be immersed up under that water. That baptism is, is representing the death, the burial, and the resurrection. When Jesus came out of the water, then heaven, the sky, heavens opened, and he saw God's spirit coming down, descending, and lightning settling on him like a dove. And this is what had happened. That was the power from on high. You have two experiences here. You have the baptism where you go under the water. You're getting baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When he resurrected, the power of God Come upon Jesus for him to do the work of the ministry. Jesus could not do the work of the ministry without going in this order the way God wanted it to be done. So could you tell me, while churches today don't think that when you get the Holy Spirit, you don't need the power from on high after you get in dwelling. They said ain't number one Holy Spirit. It is, but it's two experiences. So you got to have both of them. If Jesus had to have both, tell me why the churches are saying we don't need it. Why they're saying all of this went away with the apostles. The apostles went away. The tongues went away. We don't need this no more. We got all of the Holy Spirit that we need. And they have people's minds so mixed up and messed up. People are going out and telling people that's false doctrine you're hearing. Ain't no such thing as that no more. When them apostles went, everything went with them. Who does that? That's not God's way of doing things. Lord knows I wouldn't want to be left on this earth without the power. I don't know about y'all. I don't want to be left here on this earth that's full of mess, full of sin, full of evil, without having the power of God to come upon me so I can do the work of service to whatever is around me. So that's why we need the power. So Jesus did that. So this is what I'm going to talk about, these two experiences. So I'm going to talk about the indwelling first. Miracle Temple, you are familiar with this. But guess what? God always bring it back. Because sometimes we get um, away from what we have learned. And I believe it's going to help you to help somebody else 
so they will fully understand, you know, salvation. They'll understand the experiences that you have once you become saved. So in John 4.10, let's start there. In John chapter 4, verse 10. And this is the um, woman at the well, and Jesus was tired and You know, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, and as he was talking to her in verse 10, he said, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that say to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? See, she don't even know what's in front of her. She don't even know what's getting ready to occur. Are thou greater than our fathers? Jacob was gave us the well and drank there of himself and his children and his cattle. Look where she was. She wasn't in the spirit on the Lord's day yet. And it says, and Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. This is natural water. How many of y'all drink water, but later on you're thirsty again? You're never satisfied with natural water, right? You have to keep drinking, but... Some of us, it ain't water. We don't thirst for water. We thirst for Pepsi and Coca-Cola and all that other stuff. But anyway, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. I don't know about you, but I want some of that. Well, you never thirst. This is spiritual. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. So that well is like a spring. So what Jesus was telling her, he said the natural water. He said, that's water that you're going to thirst again. You're going to be thirsty over and over again. But this water that I want to give you, he said, you'll never thirst. This water is, is, is eternal life that you're going to have forever. There's no ending to this. Now, y'all, with the well, a well springs up. It's, it's right here. It just springs up. So that well is representing your rebirth. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a well on the inside of you. That's identifying you to, um, to God, to Jesus, and then you're sealed. That's where you're born again at. That's the born again experience. And this is what he was telling um, the lady. You're going to have um, a rebirth. You're going to be born again. That's what the well represents. And that well is going to be a spring of living water. You can always drink from it. You are satisfied because you have that well of drinking water. So then he goes on to say, go with me to John 20. Now we're talking about the rebirth. We're talking about the indwelling of the spirit. John 20, 21 through 22. John 20, 21 through 22. If you want to loosen up your Bibles, just flip along as I'm going. You loosen up them pages so you don't have to wet your fingers and try to loosen them up if you ain't been in there for a while. It'll help you out a little bit. John 20, 21 through 22. I'm reading out Amplified. Then Jesus said to them, peace to you, just as the Father has sent me forth, so I'm sending you. And having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This was when Jesus reappeared to those disciples and he was telling them peace. The first thing he bid was was peace. But then Jesus began to say, as he has sent me, I'm going to send you. Now understand that he's not going to send an unsaved person in a world that's full of evil. What good would it do, right? So in order for them to be sent into that world, they had to be reborn. Their spirit had to be recreated. This is dealing with the indwelling of the spirit. It said he breathed on them. Remember in Genesis, when there was that body down there that was formed out of the dust, when he blew, breathed the breath of life into that body, it became a what? Living soul. So that body had the life of God on the inside of it. Now that we're born again, we have the life of God, which is the Holy Spirit, indwelling us. That's our new identity. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. It is new in your spirit. You have a new identity, and you are sealed until the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is what seals you. That's your new identity. You are sons and daughters of God. That's the indwelling part. That's the indwelling. That's your first experience with the Holy Spirit. 
But here's another thing that Jesus said in John. Y'all, I got a lot of scriptures tonight. It'll be okay. I ain't going to ask for all of them. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. John chapter 7, verse, verse 37 through 39. And I'm going to tell you how Jesus changed it up a little bit. When you get to John chapter 7, this is what Jesus said in verse 37. Now on the final and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice. Now I want y'all to see Jesus. He's at a feast and he's crying out in a loud voice. And guess what he's saying? If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What was he saying? Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Because that's the only way that you're going to get this new life is through me. That's what Jesus was, and he stood up and said it loud. He said it loud. If any man is thirsty, he said, come to me. But then the next verse he said, he who believes in me. So if you come into him, what are you doing? If you come into him, what are you doing? But what did he do first? He cried out with the loud voice. He said, here am I. Here's the one that's going to give you eternal life. And the only thing I need for you to do is come unto me. And then he said, the ones that believe in me, who cleaves and trust in me and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being, that means from the belly, from the heart, shall flow continually springs and rivers of living water. Now, I want to tell you this. Remember I talked about the well? The well is just springing up. That's all it's doing. That's the indwelling. He said, but now... Because you believed in me, because you accepted me, because you are born again. He said, I want to give you rivers of living water. It ain't only springing up. He said, but it's going to burst forth. See, it's a, it's living water. It's going in all directions. It's coming out. It's coming upon. Give you another example. Do you know how that you go into the ocean and you step in that ocean, right? You in there, you stepped in there. You're just in it. But all of a sudden, that thing come in and it surrounds you. It's there. But when it get ready to come around you, what is it doing? It's overtaking you. That's what the power of God does. That's why you need the power of God. You can't just go out with the indwelling. The indwelling is saying, I I have a new identity. I'm born again. But he said, people need to see my work now. They need to see my service now. You can't do it without the power of God. And people are trying to do it without his power. I don't know about you. I want that well, but I want that well to flow. I want it to come out of me and flow, not only bubble up, but I want it to come out. And some of us don't even realize what we have because the same power that resurrected Jesus is on the inside of us. The very same power. So this is what Jesus was telling them. And then, now I'm going somewhere else. Everybody got that? That's the indwelling, and that's part of coming upon the power. Now, We're going to go back to these apostles. I'm going back to Luke 24, 48 through 49. We're going to put it all together. This is what Jesus was saying to these apostles. He said, you are my witnesses of these things. And what he was saying, they were around him. They witnessed him. They were with him the whole time. And he said, I will send you what my father has promised But you must stay in Jerusalem until you have received a clothed with the power from heaven. When you are endued, endued mean clothed. That means that when you put on clothes, you know, you're not naked no more, right? You're clothed. So when the power of God come upon you, you have been endued. You have been endued with the power from on high. So Jesus was telling them, do not leave Jerusalem. Why would he say that? If that wasn't important, why would he? They already had the breath of God breathed upon them. They already had the indwelling. But Jesus said, wait a minute now. Even though you have been accepted, you have accepted me. 
He said, you still need some power. So I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you are endued with this power. Going back to Acts 1, where we was last week. That's what I'm leading up to. In Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. Now remember, Jesus was talking to them about the kingdom, what, for 40 days. And we discuss, people say, it's 21 days for you to overcome a habit or to um, root up things in your life. But it can take 40 days. For you to perceive some things of God. Because the longer you're in the word of God, the more root you have to what you have received from God. So we see he was with them 40 days. And it says, once when he was eating with them, he told, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. He's saying the same thing he said in Luke 24, 48 and 49. He said, wait here to receive the promise from the Father. The gift of the Holy Spirit, which I told you about. John baptized people with with or in water, but in a few days you will be baptized with in by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, again, why would he keep saying this? Now, he done told him one time, but he turned around again and said, do not leave Jerusalem. It was a command until you are endued with the power from on high. Why is this so important? Because he knew I had to be endued in order to carry out the work of my father. Do you think you can carry out what I have given you without the power that's going to come upon you? No. He said, so this is what I want you to do. So we go to Acts 1.8. And this is what he's saying. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. So he said, the only way you're going to be my witness is to be endued, clothed with that power. The only way you can show forth what I have shown you, what you have experienced, you must have the power of God that comes from on high. Do we or do we not think we need the power? We need it. Some people teach you don't need it. Okay, well, if you feel like you don't need it, then you're not going to have everything you need to do the work of God. You're going to see more people moving in the power of God than you're moving. In the indwelling, you have the fruit of the Spirit. They may see you producing the fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the meekness, But you need some power to help that too. Y'all didn't know. You need the power of God to come upon you to love like you never loved before. Because, come on now, sometimes people, you be like, Lord, if if I didn't have you, I couldn't love that person. I couldn't treat that person. And, And this is the thing. When the disciples walked the earth with Jesus, they saw unconditional love. They saw kindness. They saw mercy. They saw truth. But Jesus knew if it wasn't for my father, I couldn't live this life on earth with these people the way I'm living if I didn't have the Holy Spirit. But I need everything that comes from the Holy Spirit, not just one part, because you cannot get the work done that he wants you to get done. So let's go to Acts 2, verse 1 through verse 4. Now, Jesus, when he said all this, by them being obedient, and and I love this, they were on one accord. It was 120 of them went to the same place, was believing the same thing. So all of them had faith to believe that they were going to receive what he said. Why? Because they had faith in him. Y'all, the only thing it takes is faith. And he has given all of us the same measure of faith. So what we have to do is believe in what he has given us and we can have what he says. That means I don't have to do anything to get it. Just believe it and receive it. But we try to go out and do things, pray harder, speak in tongues harder, or, or Lord, I'm going to read my word. Why is it when we got stuff going on in our life, now we want to get in the word? The word don't change. It's us. Now I want to get in the word because somebody said this and my money acting kind of funny. So now I want to go in there and say, my God, he's going to supply all your He's not going to change his mind. 
You just haven't grabbed hold to the revelation of what he already done. Because you're in and out of the word. But when you end the word of God, the life of God begin to quicken your mortal body and let you know, I got everything you need. Peace be still. And only thing you do, you still in him. Because I want to ask y'all this. If you need $500 by tomorrow and your bank is showing tonight, it's not there. You don't ask mama, daddy, sister, brother, cousin. You don't went all over Egypt asking everybody. Nobody got it. So why are you worried about it if you're in him? What can you do to change? Nobody has it. That's why he say, cast all your cares. Roll them over to me. He said, you can't be going into tomorrow. He said, tomorrow going to take care of itself. Why are you already in next week? Live for the day that you're in and give me glory for that day. You can't, we spend too much time trying to figure out what we're going to do instead of saying, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. Ain't no money in the bank. Nobody ain't got no money. I need your help. Tell me what to do. And he will. But it's according to where you are. See, we want a quick fix. We want him to speak quickly. But all that clutter that's in your way, you can't hear nothing he got to say. Because you don't put everything before him. So you're just going to have to begin to praise him, worship him, get a calmness to come before you. And all of a sudden, he began to speak. And immediately when you do what he say, it worked out. You just got to hear the spirit of the Lord. Because he's the one that quickened our mortal bodies. He's the one that brings life to our mortal bodies when we feel like. Have you ever been so tired that you say, I can't make it another father? Lord knows it needs to be done, but God, I just can't make it. Y'all, I'm going to tell you something. God empowered me and my husband during the storm when this whole place, y'all saw how bad it looked. We were out here every day. In between the study and in between the calls, in between the mess ups. I remember one day I walked up in here. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. The man was on these stilts, you know, these tall stilts. And they told us they was going to be finished with what they had to have. I'm just walking through here. That's all. Minding my business. That man walked over there on those stilts. I'm leaving here at 12. I'm like, and? I said, now why are you coming to me? You don't even know who I am. I don't even know who you are. Immediately, I'm leaving here at 12. Me done at 12. I said, okay. So I'm telling you, people recognize. They recognize authority when you don't say nothing. You don't have to get all in people's face and say nothing. They recognize. Or somebody already talked about us before we got there. (laughs) And he just identified us when we walked in. Because as soon as we walk in, I'm like, wait a minute. That ain't right. Wait a minute. That's too much money. And y'all, it was too much money. My husband, I said, honey, the Holy Spirit is saying that bill is too much money. Y'all, I didn't know how you add up all this stuff, but the Holy Spirit told me. So I called the guy. I said, you overcharging us. He said, no, we're not overcharging. I said, yes, you are. Can you go back and check? He said, yeah, I'll check. So he went back and checked, and he said, I did overcharge you $10,000. I said, yes, you did. Because the Holy Spirit revealed it. The Holy Spirit is not going to let anybody get over on you so you don't have to work. Let me tell you something. When you deal with contractors and you're not hearing the Holy Spirit, they will rip you off. Not intentionally. He had a man working from him that was telling him, this is what we have to charge them. So he trusted that man, but I'm trusting the Holy Spirit and said, too much money. I started talking Spanish. Too much money, too much money. Don't understand that. You speak no English. Too much money. Holy Spirit will fix it. He'll make it right, y'all. You don't have to try to wear yourself out. Just turn, and he's saying tonight, turn it over to him. Turn it over. What can you do? So when we were so tired, I would say, Holy Spirit, you know what's in front. You got to help this. You already know what needs to be done. So y'all, when I look at it now, 
my excitement, God already showed what he wanted. I just rested in him. So I wasn't like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. God did it. Because that's just who he is. The Holy Spirit worked through you. He's the one that gives you the strength. When he tells you to do something, he's going to empower you. His power from on high is going to come upon you. And I remember that very first row right there. We didn't have nobody. Y'all know the storm was bad. We didn't have anybody to come in here and do this because people were looking for everybody to fix their stuff. So we heard about this gentleman and him and this guy coming. It was two of them. And they were telling us he was looking at how big it was. He said, well, I ain't never done nothing this big before. So as I began to talk to him and we began to talk about Jesus and the power of God was coming in. That man sat on that front row and cried like a baby. Stayed here for about three hours. Just sat there. Didn't want to move. And I'm saying to myself, it's over now. You got to go. (laughs) (laughs) So every time he come in here, God would give him a word. And God would be right on time with that word. And God showed him what to do and how to do it. And y'all, come on. Five weeks. Five weeks and some people not even in churches now. And God took this place. God did it. He brought the people here to do it. Then the last person we had in place, bless his heart. He had to do all the painting. He had to do all the, you know, ins and odds and all of this stuff. And he was ready to get out of here. (laughs) But he did it by the grace of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was in here empowering. I believe the Holy Spirit come upon them. They ain't know what hit them. <laughs> they were working. They were getting it done because the power of God was in the midst. So we got to understand we need the power of God to do what God is telling us to do. So these disciples had to be endued with the power before they could go out and teach. Before they can go out and do what Jesus done, they had to have the same power from on high that Jesus had. And guess what? They got that power. And they began to speak in unknown tongues. When that power of God rested upon them, came upon them like clothing tongues. And, you know, the wind of God, everything was right there for them. So this is what they did. And if you notice, once they got the power, what happened to Peter? Peter was transformed and changed into another man. He wasn't running and denying Christ. Let me tell you what the Lord showed me. He's so good. Y'all remember Peter before he even, Jesus even went to be with the father and Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not going to deny you. I'll die with you. Ain't that what we say? Soon as them soldiers come and got Jesus and get ready to crucify Jesus, when that crowd crowed three times, he denied him three times and cried. Did he not? But the day of Pentecost, oh, when the power of God, that was some boldness too. Peter began to speak with some boldness and y'all tracked Peter all the way through to his death. Peter never denied him again. Paul never denied him. What am I saying? When you truly accept him, deacons, with all of your heart, come what may You are not going to let go. You're going to hold on to him because that's home you believe. If there's any denying, you're going to be like Judas Iscariot. (laughs) He gave him up for what? 30 pieces of silver and then went and hung himself. So when we truly holding on to him, we have truly accepted him. Peter did fall, right? But when Peter got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Peter kept it moving, did he not? So that's, we need the power. So we see that, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to go too far because y'all, I don't know how many scriptures I gave y'all. But I got about, mm, one, I got four more. Y'all want them? Y'all think that's too much? Okay. This, I'm like, go ahead. I'm just asking y'all. I was going to go ahead anyway. 
I just want to see where you at. Because I know how much you can take. Y'all had this before, so it shouldn't be a problem, right? So we see that Peter, he began to um, speak boldly concerning the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God set it up because he brought all those people together. It was the day of Pentecost. That's why he said, do not leave Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost because he knew it was going to be a crowd of people coming with different languages and God set them up. He had them speaking in them different kinds of tongues, them diverse tongues, and they heard them praising God in their different tongues. Isn't that God, y'all? And then Peter began to um, speak the, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection. And I like the part after Peter got through with it. This is what Peter said in Acts 2. 38 through 39. And Peter answered them, repent, change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. So y'all, that was um, the rebirth. That was accepting the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, accepting Jesus. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of and release from your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two experiences. It's one Holy Spirit, but it's two experiences. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you and your children and to and for all that are far away, even to and for as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself. So he let them know it's it's whosoever will let them come, right? It's for all of us. It's not for um, particular people. It's for all of us. Write these scriptures down and I'll go over them briefly. Acts 8, 14 through 17. Acts 8, 14 through 17. Acts 8, 14 through 17. Acts 10, 44 through 48. Acts 10, 44 through 48. Acts 19, verse 1 through verse 6. Acts 19, Verse 1 through verse 6. Scripture before was Acts 10, 44 through 48. Now, go back and read these because what I wanted to show you was when the apostles in Acts 2 received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they did speak in tongues. But when you get over to Acts 8, I do want to go over that one. And this is so good. And I want to tell you, that it's very important that we do have the power from on high. It said, now when the apostles, special messengers at Jerusalem, heard that the country of Samaria had accepted and welcomed the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, they found out that they had accepted the word of God. They had accepted salvation. Now, Peter and John is coming to them. Now, Peter and John had to travel a long distance. Um, They said it was like, about up to 40 miles. Can you imagine walking 40 miles to get to people that believe? Can can you see us, Miracle Temple? Come on, leaders and co-leaders. We found out that over there in Rocky Point, they have received the word of the Lord. Now, get the best pair of sneakers you can get, and let's just go and walk to Rocky Point. Can you see that? Huh? Some people will say, well, they'll never receive the baptism. Let's just send the word. (laughs) If I got to take it that far, they'll never get it. But those disciples were empowered, those apostles. They were empowered by God. Can you imagine they walked everywhere? I don't even believe their shoes wore out. We just walked from one end of the house to another, and we need another pair of Nikes. Can you imagine? They were on a mission from God. They weren't thinking about their needs because they knew he was. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. When you don't think about what you in the need of, God supply it. But when we always thinking, oh, Pastor Man is sending me way over there in Curry. And I'm over here in Maple Hill. That's some monkey business. It takes gas to get over there. Way over there in Curry. And I'm just getting off work. And she expect me to be there by 8 o'clock. That's a bunch of monkey business. Wonder who I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm picking on Athea Lawson, but she wouldn't do that. 
We, when God send you somewhere, he's already done taking care of where he have sent you. Because you're doing a work for him. He's going to make sure you're taken care of, right? I just got here on a, a wing and a prayer. And you asking me to go to Kerr. Okay. So, and they came down and prayed for them that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, but they had been only baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then the apostles laid their hands on them one by one and they received the Holy Spirit. So through laying on hands, you can receive the Holy Spirit. The apostles took a long journey to come in and make sure that they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Who does that? Because he, they knew, now you're going to be disciples. You need power from on high and making other disciples. So they laid hands on them. But you don't even hear in here that they were speaking in tongues, do you? Right? So what am I saying? You can have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have not yet spoken tongues. If you believe, have faith in what God has given you, even though the tongues have not manifested, that don't mean that you don't have the power. There was one lady, she was married to a minister, and she um, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, but she was in a Pentecostal and a charismatic uh, church, and they would tell you, now you got to manifest, you got to manifest to know that the power has come upon you. So she had all this in her head, and she didn't receive, you know, she, she knew she received. She just said, Lord, I know I have received because I believe that that's what your word says. And if that's what your word says, that you said, if I ask, I shall receive. You told me that my father only give me good gifts. So I received this in Jesus name. She went home for three months, nothing manifest. But one day her husband had called her and he called her crying and he was upset. He was out of town and she got off the phone. She paced back and forth, didn't know what to do, but she fell on her knees. And the only thing she could do was cry out to God. And all of a sudden in her crying out, she began to say, she began to speak in those tongues. They were already there. But in her um, distress and the things that was going on, the Holy Spirit began to just speak forth the utterance begin to come so if you see people and you offer it to them and they accepted it by faith that's why i say in your time alone with god just get along with god he know your heart so sometimes we may not hear people speak in tongue tongues right then some people may some people may not but eventually it's going to come up and it's going to come out because it's part of the gifts of the spirit the manifestation is the tongues but you can manifest in another way it could be a word of wisdom it could be the gifts of prophecy because in one of these it says that they spoke in tongues and prophesied so we want to make sure that people get what they need so on the next two scriptures you'll see a difference again Acts 10 was with Cornelius and their household. And guess what happened to them in 44 through 48? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. And the believers from amongst the circumcised, the Jews, who came with Peter were surprised and amazed because the free gift of the Holy Spirit had been bestowed and poured out largely even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in an unknown tongue and extolling and magnifying God. So look at there. While Peter was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost, the power of God, fell upon them. They start magnifying God in um, another tongue. And then guess what Peter said? Who gonna um, forbid them to be water baptized? He knew they were saved. He said, let's go ahead and water baptize them. So they water baptized them, and it was a different way, but everything was lining up with the way God wanted it to line up. So the Holy Spirit can fall on people without the laying of, on of hands because if it is um, taught while I'm teaching you and you accepting it by faith, all of a sudden, hmm, there go your um, rivers. They, they right there and they end up bursting forth and tore you be sitting, oh, blah, 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 oh Jesus, oh Jesus. <laughs> what she been asking God for, she took the word, she believed it, and there go the manifestation. So that happened differently in that one. And he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So in Acts 19, 
Y'all know this is Paul. And they only believed in the baptism of John. And um, they never heard of the Holy Spirit. But you know what happened with Paul. Paul began to tell them, da-da-da-da. He laid hands on them. And the Spirit came and they spoke in tongues. So we see that you have to have the power of God from on high to go out and do the work, the service of God. You cannot go out without it. Because if you do, you're not going to be a witness. You may um, go out and have that authority, but you have to add to that authority that he has given you the power so they'll see the work. Just like a cop, he have authority. He'll hold out his hand. What we do? We don't run over. Not unless we ain't paying attention. But we stop immediately, don't we? Because that's their authority that they have. We got to realize he has given us authority. But with that authority, you need some power behind it. Because if they want to run over you in the name of Jesus, (laughs) you're going to have the power of God coming upon you. And you're going to begin to tell them, God said. And they're going to say, how you know that? Everything stops then, doesn't it? Or a cop want to give you a ticket and you humbly submitting yourself to the cop. And then you look at him and say, God said, don't go that way. Don't go that way. You're being watched. (laughs) I remember it was an incident. And I'm going to tell y'all, like, and I got witnesses to that incident. We went somewhere. I believe it was Steve Hollins. And we were sitting there. And I was like, well, we ought to go to Steve Hollins tonight. I think Sister Nisa and Brother Willie was with us that night. And, um, well, you know that armor bear always follow. Where you going, Apostle? Who want to (laughs) know? Anyway, they were there, and we were sitting down eating and everything, and all of a sudden, I saw somebody I know, and I said, hey. I said, we knew you were coming. You could have bought our food. They said, I would have bought your food. I said, no, I'm just playing with you. Soon as he turned around, God said, "Uh uh-uh, call him back. So when I called him back, I said, God got a message for you. Whatever you're getting ready to do tonight, don't do it. Because if you do it, you're going to get caught. And basically, you're going to jail. He just shook his head. That's all he did. By the time I got home that night, somebody called me and told me they had locked them up. And they served two years in prison. And you know what the person told me? As soon as you said what you said, I knew what I was getting ready to do, and I still done it. The Lord still loved them in their mess. So when you don't hear God, you get caught up into what the world is doing. But God is here to save all of us. He reigned on the just as well as the unjust. So we have to be so careful with what we do and how we do it, because guess what? We're instruments. The indwelling Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, and we want those rivers to flow out everywhere that we go. We got to take our mind off us and our problems and say, God, wherever I go, use me the way you want to use me, not the way I want to be used. Lord, when I go into the word of God, I don't want to go in there trying to prove nothing. I don't want to go in there to try to get something to prove it to y'all. I want to go in there because I know this is the word of life. And I want to go in there and receive life from this word. So that's what God wants us to do. So we will not have Bible study next week. Um, But, yeah, is it next week? Next week. Then the following week, we'll be in watch night on Bible study night at 10 o'clock. Right. And I want to say this. I got a wonderful text today. From a wonderful person. And I'm going to let that wonderful person tell you. If that wonderful person.